Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back once again on the program with all of our listeners, and we're so thankful to have this opportunity to be with you each day. And we're thankful to hear from so many of you who listen to the program, some of you every day or close to it, some of you very frequently, but you can't do it every day, others less frequently, but your schedules won't permit you to be able to do it more than what you're able, and, but you do listen on a pretty regular basis. We're thankful for every one of you. We're thankful for those who might be listening for the very first time, our new listeners, and those come all the time. If you are listening for the very first time today, we do pray and hope that you will quickly recognize that we do exactly as the name of this program suggests. We search the scriptures of God's word. We dig deep, we look at them in detail, and we try to explain them in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you come closer to God. And the first step that we need to take to do that is to teach you God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or more succinctly put, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So if you want to have strong faith, you've got to get into God's word. And we want to help you develop that strong faith by teaching you God's word again in depth and detail. We want to help open up your eyes, your ears, and your mind and understanding to the richness of what God has put there for us in the Bible. When we open up the Bible, we're reading God's very word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And in the original language, in the Greek in which it was written, that means all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, God's very word. So we want to help you develop your faith by teaching you God's word in more detail and helping you to understand just how rich it is and how meaningful and even exciting as you begin to learn it better. How much is there for us to comprehend, to grab onto, and to take courage and encouragement by? As you come to develop your faith, then you should want to come closer to God. And that's a natural desire and a natural progress that should take place. You have to come to him through Jesus Christ, his son, and your Lord and Savior. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when you make up your mind that you want to come to God through your Savior, God's way, then we pray that you will make that decision to surrender to him in baptism for the remission of your sins as you are buried, immersed in the water with Christ, as Paul puts it in Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 through 5, and raised from that grave of water that we call baptism, cleansed of your sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, reborn, as Jesus told Nicodemus has to happen. John chapter 3 and verses 3 through 5, made new as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers indeed are for you, and we do pray for you. Today we're going to begin a new study. And this is a study that has been on my heart for some time. And uh, I'm glad that I found the time and took the time to focus in and go ahead and prepare this particular study. 
I do pray that God will use this particular study in a mighty way to his glory and to help souls come to salvation. I've entitled it, Everything Changed One Day. Now, some of you who have been listening for a long time, you may already figure out what the text is going to be, or at least the basic uh, text from which this study has been taken, and that's Genesis chapter 3. You know, events take place in our lives that can suddenly, often without warning, completely change our lives. You think about all of those kinds of things that happen. How many of us have waked up one morning, received a phone call, or maybe it's been during the afternoon sometime, or maybe late at night, and received a phone call about a loved one who had died suddenly, unexpectedly? Maybe some of us, and I know that I have experienced this, we have waked up one morning and found our spouse has gone on to be with God. Well, all of a sudden, unexpectedly, our life has changed dramatically. And I mean really changed. In fact, it has virtually completely changed because our spouse, the one who, of whom we have been a part and the one who has been a part of us for so many years, is no longer there. And so our life has taken on a different reality. A car accident resulting in injury that severely limits a person's physical ability or maybe handicaps that person severely from a physical perspective can change that person's life. Or how many times have you known somebody or heard of somebody whose child was killed or, or died, again, of some dreaded disease, perhaps even cancer? Well, again, the life of those parents all of a sudden change dramatically, profoundly. A terminal medical diagnosis. You go to the doctor, and the doctor tells you that you have some terminal medical disorder, disease. It might be cancer. It might be something else, maybe a heart failure. And all of a sudden, you're hit between the eyes like with a ton of bricks, and your life is changing dramatically all of a sudden. Again, the unexpected loss of a loved one or a close friend. Or how about the loss of a job that provides a family's sole income? How many families have been devastated by that kind of event that suddenly, unexpectedly took place in their lives? I remember when I was living in a different state many, many years ago, the economy in that particular area had really become challenged. And I remember hearing about or reading about, maybe I read it in the newspaper, I don't remember where I got the, the, the news, but one of the largest employers in that particular small city where I lived suddenly one day presented almost all of their 1,200 employees their notice that their jobs would be terminated. The plant was closing down. Now you talk about devastating, unexpected, sudden, that can happen. We could pose a number of other examples of this principle that we're talking about. But again, events take place that suddenly, and often without any warning whatsoever, can completely change a person's life.
These are just a few examples. Examples of things that can happen that can devastate the rest of a person's life or change it dramatically and profoundly. Now, don't really want to talk about all of that as the main focus of our study that we're about to begin. I want us to think about Genesis chapter 3. And I want us to think about a day on which everything changed monumentally. And I don't mean just for one person or two people or for one or two or three families. I mean for all mankind. And it changed for the rest of our existence on this earth. In fact, it wasn't just mankind that changed, but we could say the earth changed. This world changed dramatically. I'd like for us to begin reading from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 and going down through verse 6. Something happened that day. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree of the not, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, of course, this is a text that describes the beginning of sin or the introduction of sin into the existence of mankind and this world. If you go back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you read of the six days of creation, wherein God made everything that we see around us. He brought form to this world, and he placed all life on this planet that we know today. And researchers tell us that a number of species have already ceased to exist, and so there might have been other animals and animal life and plant life that we don't even see today, that God created and put, it on, put on this earth way back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Now, when you come toward the end of Genesis chapter 1, and this is a text that we've referred to many times in the program over the years, in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now think about this particular part of the text. Earlier, 
in Genesis chapter 1, we read, as I've said, those six days of creation. And so God brought order to this earth. He separated the dry land from the waters. He hung the stars and the moon and the celestial bodies in the sky in the order he wanted them to be, the sun and so on. And so he brought life to this world. But when he comes to the very end of the creation, on the sixth day, he comes to mankind and he makes us unique. Notice that he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, I don't believe we're to understand that God meant by that, that he created us to look like God in a physical way, because you see, God is spirit. We read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're flesh, but he created us in his image after his likeness in the sense that he created us with a soul. Oh yes, we have a spiritual essence, a spiritual being within our fleshly body or physical body that makes us unique from everything else that God had created. Only mankind did he create in God's own image. Only mankind did he create with a soul, an eternal soul. Now I know that many people have pets to which they become very closely attached. Some of them may look at some of their pets as they're almost like children. They may see them as family. I know how that is. I know that my wife and I and our sons for many years had a little dog, Cockapoo, that was so cute. And that little puppy, of course, it stayed the size of a puppy, but it became a full-grown dog, you know, as we understand them to be, but lived with us for about 14 years. And she genuinely was part of the family, and she was loved by us. And it hurt severely. We cried when she died. But that little puppy was not created in God's own image. That little puppy, as much as she was loved and as closely as she was endeared by us as her family, she was not like us in the sense that she did not have a soul. She did not have a spiritual being within her that is eternal. Only man was created with that spiritual being, with a soul that is eternal. So in that sense, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And it's easy to understand, since he made us unique from everything else that he had created, unique in this way, that he then went ahead and pronounced, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God gave mankind dominion over all else that he had created that has life. Now again, that speaks to our uniqueness. So when you look at the second chapter of Genesis, then you find God telling the story again in reverse order, the story of the creation. And he focuses mainly upon mankind in this second chapter. 
when we drop down to uh, to verse 17, well, let's go back to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, tent, to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, when you go back a little farther, you find that God placed the tree of life in the garden. In verse 9, out of the, out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here were two trees that were in absolutely contrast to each other. The tree of life, as long as mankind would eat of the fruit of that tree, he would literally live forever physically. But then there was the counter to that, and that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that the fruit of that tree would bring man into the reality and the consciousness of sin. God said, you can eat of every fruit of the, every tree that I have planted in this garden. I really do believe that God, in planting and creating that garden that we call Eden, that is identified as Eden right here in the second chapter of Genesis, I believe that that's the closest thing that we have ever known as mankind to paradise on the face of this earth. God placed man in that garden, gave him that wonderful, incredible place to live, to develop, to grow, to begin his family. Now, then God recognized, as we go a little bit further in the second chapter, that the man, and he created the male first, was alone, and that was not a good thing. I don't believe that God was surprised by that. I believe he knew exactly what he was doing from the very first and even before that. But for us to understand, it is laid out in this way, kind of an accommodative way, an accommodative format, something we can relate to. And so in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Well, again, I don't believe God expected anything less or anything else. I believe God always understood what he was going to do. And again, this was something that was there for our learning, that everything else that God had created was not comparable to man. It was not fit to be man's most needed helper or companion. So what did God do? He went back into the creating business. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, 
This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And the Hebrew words there are actually ish for man and isha for woman. And you can see a relation even in the spelling of those words. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now notice that God caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man, and that God created this new being, this new creation, a woman from the rib of the man that he had previously created, and he brought that woman to the man. Now there, in, is the institution of marriage. The companionship that God designed for man and woman to enjoy, uniquely from everything else that he had created. Now again, nothing else that he had created was comparable to man. Man alone was created in the image of God with a spiritual being within, with a soul that is eternal. And so only by creating a woman in that same way, with that same nature, could man be complete with his new companion. So man and woman were created with souls. In the image of God, they could have the understanding of right and wrong, of goodness and evil, of righteousness and unrighteousness, of obedience and disobedience, and the principle behind all of those matters. Only man could have that understanding because only man was created with a soul in the image of God. Genesis chapter 3 finds the man and the woman in the garden going about their regular life. How long after the creation? We're not told. But then everything changed one day. And that's what we'll begin to talk about in our next program. In just a moment, we'll tell you how you can contact us. You can receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. You can also receive a free Bible study that we'll send to you through the regular mail. And again, for free. And we'll take care of the postage on both of these materials. Write down the information that we'll give you as to how to contact us, and then contact us and ask for these free materials. We hope to hear from you right away.